0: friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, your podcast for IT business support, where we try to do everything we can, whether it's reviewing products, telling you stories, or providing tips to help you provide network support better, smarter, and faster. And as I promised, folks, I told you that this year I would be making a much concerted effort to bring on some different people, some different guests and get some different insights into our IT industry and we are doing that today. I have with me a new friend of the show, Ian Robinson from Enliven. Ian, how are you?
1: Doing well, Marvin.
0: All Thanks right. Well, thank you for coming on. It was nice to uh to find you. I think it was about what a month ago that we sounds about right. came across each other's paths and I should probably do this and get this out the way. So I don't know sure. if I knew that you were from St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Mm, yep.
0: And, uh, the reason I say that is, uh, I was just in St. Louis back in, I think it was May. Uh, my first time there, first time I got to visit the arch, but we were there not for fun or family. It was, uh, uh, a funeral that, that we were there for, so it wasn't a really fun trip. And then last night on another podcast, I actually interviewed somebody who's also from St. Louis. So, uh, starting to get a little St. Louis vibe working here. <laughs> Good deal. All right. Well, I hope you
1: enjoyed the arch.
0: I I did, although the uh, what is it? The trolley elevator thing mm-hmm. wasn't working that day, or something. All sold out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that place must get pretty busy. Indeed. All right. So Ian, let's get into your company and tell everybody about you. And uh, just so you know, my listeners mostly are it professionals, managed service providers. Uh, I do have vendors of the channel that listen, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think any of them have heard of you. So let's uh, give a little background sure. on you and your company.
1: Yeah. So um, let's see, I can just start with myself and um you know, I've been building software for for some time, and maybe I'll I'll jump ahead a little bit and just say that yeah, I live in the custom software world. Okay, so we are we are kind of network and IT adjacent, right? We depend on everything uh, that um, the network and IT folks uh, do to get our stuff done. And uh, Enliven is about ten years old now. We celebrated our tenth anniversary this year.
0: Congratulations. So kinda,
1: thank you. Yeah. So going back before that, um, let's see, I, I did a computer science degree and um, been building software uh, since you know, maybe the week after <laughs> I uh, uh, graduated. And um, have been largely focused in the .NET world and in the web world and kind of the intersection of those two worlds. So a lot of enterprise software development.
0: Okay, when you say web world, what exactly does that mean? Is it were you uh Azure based or you know, apps in the cloud, SaaS, that sort of thing?
1: Well, in the um so even before all of that stuff, um, you know, I was building for the web uh just I mean in the earliest days static HTML all okay. the way through web applications. And then we um, you know, most of that stuff was privately hosted. Um then you know, as cloud services became more available, yep Azure is something that we've uh, put a lot of stuff on and um also AWS uh, different things there but um yeah, yeah, kind of um really in the beginning, we were you know, I guess when I say web world, I mean um the web is really our our go-to and has been our go-to for building apps uh, just because it's the common language of the world. Um, They last right versus desktop and phone apps. And, you know, there's just less overhead in general. Um, So long time web guy and um, you know, the early part of my career was very software focused and then became more kind of intersection of marketing and software, which to be honest, I didn't love um and have also been um part of a um, saas product team as well you know and through all of these different uh kind of consulting lives that I lived before starting my company um i, yeah, I had a ton of fun got to know a bunch of different industries and uh, a, bunch, a bunch of experience with uh strange internal you know processes and expertise and um you know but each time um f- the, the the trend seemed to be that folks were really either concerned about business goals or concerned about um the technology and could get kind of sidetracked with either of those, and to me, what was missing uh was really a focus on the people that are in the middle of all of that. you know, There's people that are trying to achieve these outcomes and they actually have a day-to-day experience using the software um, to achieve those business goals. And obviously the technology needs to serve that. So maybe it was youthful arrogance, but uh, starting my own company, I was like, we can do this better, right? We can bring all of this stuff together and build things that really last that you don't have to kind of throw away and rewrite because the technology is outdated very quickly. You don't have to throw away and rewrite because it wasn't solving the f- problems in the first place, or that um, you, again, don't have to throw away and rewrite because people aren't able to really use it right. and latch on to it. So that was kind of the, that UX and uh, and enterprise software Um, combination that that got us off to a start with Enliven.
0: All right. So is this something similar to now, you know, I, I know SQL and I know Mm -hmm. some of these, I know these old school database apps that were sort of transported from on premise to the cloud. So I know that Mm. companies are doing a bunch of SQL stuff up there. They're doing, you know, access stuff. Um, I come from the days of the relational database, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of FileMaker Pro or or Alpha 5, yeah. those types of things. So is it something similar to that where these, these databases and programs were created, a lot of them were turned into either off-the-shelf or, you know, rented SaaS products, but for some reason they still don't hit the mark? So is it something like that where you go in and look at these products and find a way to make them better? or better suited to the customer
1: yeah absolutely i think there have been instances of you know SaaS not hitting the mark so we just need to go custom to uh really nail it there's also been instances of you know the legacy access stuff just became more of a burden uh, more of a hindrance than it was a help and adoption and support were just issues. So we jump in there. Um, And then a lot of times we're doing kind of new, what I'd call new product development, but it's always, we're always kind of replacing something. And even if it's not a legacy application or a software as a service solution, it's, manual processes and kind of diy stuff people have some scripts over here have some spreadsheets over there have some you know best practices in a in a document over here <laughs> and that um can, i think that's that's right for um for folks to start there uh, when they're thinking about um building these tools to support their day-to-day work but um but growth can, can get, <laughs> or that, that stuff doesn't always scale. Right. right. Now, okay. Right? So, so we kind of come in when um, growth is posing, or, or I should flip that around the tools or lack thereof are kind of posing a problem when the um, client's experiencing some growth or getting ready for some growth.
0: All right. Now you mentioned replace uh, as, as the the most common thing now, Are some of these applications something that you can come in and fix or add to uh, beyond the original programming, or do you literally scrap it and build from scratch?
1: Um, We, I think we're very well-suited to do the rebuild and the replace, and that's one of our favorite things because then we really get to just hit the mark. Um, That said, that's not always appropriate. And, yeah, we've definitely... Come in and, um, we do things. We can do audits on existing applications to just kind of 360 from a user experience perspective, performance, you know, functionality, whatever it might be. We can come in and kind of audit that stuff and make some improvements. Um, so again, yeah, one of my favorite clients in the early days, they brought us in because they had a very functional web app um had all of their kind of best practices baked into it. And the product owner uh looked at it kind of a few months before launch and was like, I can't ship this. Nobody's gonna be able to use it. The user experience is atrocious, right? Um the, you know, it's it's one page with like a thousand buttons on it. <laughs> what are we going to do? Wow. So so we were brought in um, to do the user interface and kind of revamp, overhaul the user experience there. And um, that went really well. And we ended up kind of slowly taking over responsibility for the engineering side of things as well. And then from there on to build uh, many more products with them.
0: All right. Uh, but yeah. So folks, we are talking with Ian Robinson from Enliven. He is the founder and president. And we talked about, you know, kind of your, I guess, transition from, you know, kind of like that uh, Steven Gerber uh, entrepreneurial spirit where you thought, hey, I can do this better. And it sounds like you can when it comes to a lot of these applications that once a company starts to grow, and the products don't scale. You obviously can come in and and uh, modify the apps, or you know build from scratch. I'm going to go ahead and ask this. Uh, I know that a lot of your projects before are you know things that you've got referred from earlier clients mm-hmm. and stuff. But have you actually gotten anybody like from the tech industry? We have a ton of products out there, a ton of apps. That are web based or, or or apps that you know myself as an MSP um, and my customers are like can't you can't you do anything about that um, have you done anything in the tech field or has it all been private sector or that sort of thing
1: um, I guess help me understand so when you say tech field. Um... It's like more creating
0: SaaS products. Yeah. Well, I I guess I probably should have prefaced. We probably should have talked off air and prepped you. Um, But say some of the vendors in our IT space. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you even know who they are, but some of the products that we use for Mm -hmm. you know remote management, um, CRMs, PSAs, uh, that sort of thing. We've got some pretty big vendors in our space. Uh, companies like Datto, Synchro, RMM, ConnectWise.
1: Oh, so you thinking about, impl- like, have we done implementations of yeah. uh, other software? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, that's not our wheelhouse. So okay. we're, we're programmers, we're, you know, product strategy all the way through the development, you know, through creative design support, you know, we're really a full product team. Uh, and you want us on kind of the custom stuff in terms of implementations, um, I think we're probably overkill for that.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Because I was thinking I might want to send one of these boys to you and uh, get their stuff fixed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And um, what we, maybe where we connect there though is with um, integrations, because we're always doing systems integrations with um, existing, you know, whether it's, through APIs or whether it's through databases, you know, file systems, whatever it might be. Okay. Uh, integrating different features and kind of uh, bringing data in, pushing data
0: out. All and right. Well, that might be a thing because a lot of my vendors, they'll give me access to the API, but I don't know what to do with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, that's that's our wheelhouse.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. So let me make a note here. I Actually, I'll be talking to one a little bit later and... See about uh, doing some API stuff. Great. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned that that's not necessarily your wheelhouse. So let's talk about what is your wheelhouse. Um, You said you were, I guess the phrase is born in the web.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I was, (laughs) I was a a teenager in the nineties and lived out in the country. And uh, yeah, no, I really kind of was uh, there using the web to, you know, connect with people at the long end of a gravel road when uh, there weren't any other people around. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that came, that that did become kind of uh, my entry point, and I had a lot of fun building stuff for the web, just as kind of cur- out of curiosity and and uh, hobbies, and then that uh, it eventually turned into a computer science degree, and here we are. But yeah, uh, yeah so our, our wheelhouse has always been the web, and. You know, from kind of, let's say the early days of the company's 10, so 2012, we were probably still building a lot of uh, apps with things like jQuery, um, just JavaScript, HTML, you know, though we were, uh, we again live in the Microsoft, the .NET world um, for the most part. Um, we also use frameworks like Node, but, um, you know, ASP.NET, Web Forms, uh, MVC, you know, that stuff was very popular at that point. And we still maintain some of those apps. We wouldn't probably start a new one uh, in those uh, with those frameworks. Uh, these days, we tend to build things using JavaScript frameworks uh, for the web. So um, our favorite is Vue.js. Uh, over kind of the big three are Vue, Angular, and React. We have experience. We've shipped stuff with all three. Uh, I think we just have a personal preference for for Vue. Um, it's kind of the the happy medium of the three.
0: Okay. Now, are these programming languages are these Java related or?
1: So they're they are um, they're all. So we program for those frameworks in JavaScript or TypeScript. Those are the languages. They're not Java related. Um, They're really just kind of native uh, web frameworks, I'd say. And, you know, the common phrase there is single page applications, um, which is a little bit of a web insider term, I suppose. But um, the idea is that you're loading... Um, the web app on like with that first request to the application you're really loading most of the um, the web app in and then you're making kind of asynchronous calls to get data over time it makes a smoother uh, experience uh, rather than you know every Link you click is a full page refresh. So okay. these are these are um, very popular kind of web development frameworks, and the way that it ends up um, is it's a very nice when you're programming f- for those frameworks, it's a really nice separation between you know client and server, so you can have all of your kind of UI user experience functionality um, uh, in one area and then you basically just build an API to your data you do authentication um and then on the other side of the API you know you can kind of put in all of the business logic uh data access stuff um and it really is uh, for development teams and you know ours included has has um allowed us to i think focus on those different areas of the application really nicely and have a framework um, that is kind of cohesive for all of the major pieces
0: okay now to put this in i guess layman's terms for non-web folks like me you and i had talked about a particular uh product that you provided for one client that mm-hmm. I got excited about because I thought, ooh, this is something that my people would understand. And it was, I don't know, i was it an actual case study or just a, an example of the uh, operations platform for uh, cable installers or electrical installers?
1: Yeah, so on our website, we kind of have, it's a very light case study. It's more of just a, a portfolio highlight. Um, but yeah, so we've, we've worked with a lot of industries and, um, one of the, our more kind of recent successes, uh, in the last few years has been, um, with, so the, the company is called Paincrest Electric and they do, um, electrical installations for data centers, um, and automotive factories, healthcare facilities. So they're running a lot of cable, cable conduit, you know, installing equipment, and they've just got um, they they um, brought us in because they had a legacy app that they'd built um, around their process so it's project management operations um, and they knew that they had this approach to projects right they knew how to organize uh, themselves and to collaborate on it and they knew they had the process to make these very complicated um, projects um, more predictable and safer, so that they are delivering the most value to their clients, and you know, tackling these projects that other people might run away from because they have the management practices. Okay. That was getting pretty obscured by the legacy system, though. They had a access database that had been you know developed piecemeal over time and was kind of suffering from quite a few functional usability issues.
0: All right. So this sounds like, you know, something that we would do for our customers or if we went in to do a cable job and something we'd obviously, you know, go in and, and map out, you know, how many cables we're going to run, how many links and stuff. So it sounds like you created this where they could just do that, create the projects, and uh, do all of that. So I've got some screenshots that I'm going to put up. And even though this is an audio podcast for most of you, uh, I will describe. So, you know, we've got the the screen where it shows the project. And then if we do uh, the next screen, if I can make my mouse work properly, you've got the list of cables Mm -hmm. that can go up and you've got some good information here. And this is all web-based. So they're you know, doing this either from a tablet or something as they do their job, um, they can input the cables and all that information.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is um, Vue.js for the front end. We did kind of custom design uh, for it. So it's custom creative and uh, we designed kind of all the user experience from scratch for it. And um, then it's, you know, .NET, Uh, APIs on the back end and C-sharp and SQL Server. Okay. So um, And this is privately hosted for them um, just because that was something they're comfortable with. They already had the uh, infrastructure for that, so we just put it up on their stuff. Um, But yeah, really, it allows them to come in. They create projects and they um, import their cable schedules. And it doesn't just track cable, it tracks um, all of the different commodities. So we know um, cable, conduit, uh, equipment, as I'd mentioned before. And then we also think about terminations and how those things go together, and, like the equipment and the cable. And um, from then it also is able to track like what reels we're pulling, fr- pulling cable from and the inventory of reels. And uh, they have a lot of, like the balance that we tried to strike, which we we do our best in each of our projects is we want things to be very opinionated because the the greatest strength of custom software is that it's built for one environment. So you, you get to use, or we get to kind of really use their worldview, their process, their approach, their environment, and just build it um, for them. And so it, it's in their words, um, you know, everything's very familiar, right? Um, and we wanna be opinionated about their best practices. So the projects all have kind of try to set you up for success in the way that they um, are configured, but they do allow for some flexibility as well because projects are different and need to be configured differently. Um, So what we're looking at right now, uh, this uh, cable data is, you know, a selection of columns uh, that, you know, is just really a subset of what's possible here. Um, But we're looking at, you know, let's see, in this instance, uh, yeah, you can see some of the relationships here. Yeah, they've got Uh, the
0: reels, the service voltage, the length, the mm -hmm. cable route. Um, even this tab where it says demolition or relocation, so mm-hmm. that's yeah, you know, sounds like very detailed information that they gave you um, to be able to do this, and then the ability to edit the table Absolutely. as they go,
1: yeah, yeah. So they're really working um, all of this data in here. They will put it into packages, uh, assign it to people, so we integrate with their Active Directory, uh, so we know, uh, and then they. Th- we basically pull their employees and and users into each project and allow them to assign them to a role within that project. And then each of the roles here, like the name of the game is collaboration. So you have data, you need to put it to use and you need to put it to use across this team. So what, what we've created here is we like to think about it as the source of truth for their project operations, right? This is, you know, a lot of data comes in and out of here, but if you ever have any questions, this is where you go.
0: Um, Sounds good. And they even have the ability to, you know, keep track of, you know, changes, which is, yeah. which happens a lot during cable installation.
1: Oh man, this, this was one of our favorite parts because of the, one of the big struggles that they had with the previous application was, um was, when they wanted to push new data into the system, well, you have to. Um, you, it would be nice if you're pushing new data into it because these projects sometimes run for years, not just like a couple months. Right. But the big data center projects, are, you know, can be a couple year projects. It's a lot of work to do, so you're pushing data into it over time, and you're going to want to know what changes to make, and you want to know or what changes you're making and and not only that we we saw so they had an issue with um you know they'd push data in it wouldn't pass validation but they the app didn't tell them you know what wasn't valid so they just had to like kind of figure it out and i don't really know how they did that honestly they just experiment and push it back in so this um this feature will show you exactly what you're about to change you know what's getting deleted what's getting added um and down to the row of the field and, um, and what's getting updated. And, um, not only that, but it'll also show you, Hey, we're making changes or deleting something that's already been installed. Mm. Like you, you might want to think about that, right? Like it could be right. Sometimes that's right. Sometimes you got to rip it out. Way. Yep. Yep. But, um, But what we wanted to do is really provide this opportunity for extra kind of insight around uh, projects to avoid rework. So when we're coming in and looking at this change report, not only are they able to make sure that they're changing what they think they're changing, again, this is the source of truth. So we want confidence is a a priority, Uh, but they're also able to say, hey, you know, this, could have a ripple effect. And if we need to do rework, you know, our, their client upstream needs to be made aware of that and likely needs to pay for it, right? If they're asking for, you know, new work to be done, then that, that needs to kind yep. of show up in the cost there somewhere. Uh, so this this is one of those features that, you know, once it's up and running, everybody can kind of take it for granted and just use it. They don't have to think about it anymore. Right. They just they just get used to it and use it. But if it wasn't there, you know, how much rework uh, could potentially be missed? Yep. Right? Um, and,
0: yeah. So uh, and favorites. then, of course, at the end here, the screenshot I pulled basically up, History where you know you can yep. show how many cables were added, how many were deleted, how many were changed. Um, yeah, these are great reports to print out for the customer.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and so we have um, a detailed history of you know who did what when. So I always think about um, that is really the best stuff to track. You know, who did what when uh, in some detail? If you're tracking that from the beginning you'll always be able to answer the questions that you have um, down the road. So when you run into issues, then you can backtrack, sort it out. When you want to see trends, uh, usage trends or behavior patterns, you got it, right? And uh, with these kind of employee-focused applications that are very uh, process-driven, uh and long lived right they're doing this stuff for decades they're not you know it's, again they're uh, they're in it for the long term they're going to want to be able to make improvements over time and to really make the right improvements you have to know what you have right and how people are using it and so we've we in the beginning when we're building out new stuff we're doing database design um we're always thinking about Um, how can we most effectively track that data so that we can provide reporting for it
0: uh, down the road. All right. So that was a great look at something you've done. Um, I do want to make two quick uh, programming notes. First, uh, most of my listeners know that I don't do any editing of my podcast. And Mm -hmm. while we were going through there, a big old rainstorm passed over my office And I'm in the open-air studio where I don't have full acoustical control of this room. So there is a huge rainstorm, and we can hear the rain coming through the roof. I don't know if that translated to the podcast. If it did, I apologize. Hopefully, I was able to filter it out. But uh, it is what it is, folks. And maybe if you donate some more money, I can... I can put some acoustical <laughs> go. tile up and do that. Uh, second uh, note is the app that we just showed. This is an app that you did specifically for a customer. So this is mm-hmm. not something that is available for public use. Right. Um, and I know that I asked you, Ooh, maybe you could create something like that and make some money, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is uh, not something. So for people, if you email me and ask me, hey, how can I get a hold of that app? You can't.
1: Yep, that's right. Yep. And um, to date, that's really been the case. We, um, we our clients have uh, their in-house expertise and they need help with software, right? They need help operationalizing it and putting tools and platforms in place that really bring that expertise to life. Uh, at the end of the day, they own it and, uh, you know, we get paid to build it and we love it. Um, there's nothing really keeping us from building, you know, things out as uh, software as a service for other people. Uh, that is uh, kind of a, a client relationship that we could theoretically have at this point in our our history, though. Uh, that's well, maybe that's in the future.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, as we look at things now, um, this customer this doesn't seem like a normal type of customer that would come to you and say, Hey, can you build us an app to track our cables? Um, But what has been the guiding factor as to how people come to you? Or in a sense, when you're looking for customers, what is your, you know, your customer avatar? What is it that, uh, you know, what, what's the best customer for you? Sure.
1: Well, and I think, um, yeah, we've, We've struggled, I think, to, um, to, well, and I don't even know if struggle is the right word, but, you know, as a business owner, you know, in the very beginning, we're like, well, let's just, we'll take whatever, right? We'll take whatever work <laughs> sh- washes up at our door. We'll, you know, in the beginning, we're, we're hungry f- for work and to have that experience. So we did um, all different kind of industries and we did marketing websites. We did apps, you know, we've built games. Uh, we've even done video production wow. and stuff in our past, which, you know, I personally wasn't involved in that other folks on my team were, but we, we kind of experimented quite a bit. And what, what has stuck for me and what I think has been the, the biggest impact is really this, um, the custom software that's focused on bringing out the internal expertise. So we have, um, When I think about um, kind of a customer avatar, they're in the, you know, is a pretty broad vertical, but they're in the professional services world. So B2B world, they have um, expert processes. They are very data centric. And what's happening is that their current tools are impeding their growth in some way or another. Uh, they They know their world and they know they have Kind of the answers um, that they need but they don't have the in-house um, software capabilities especially not building kind of in-house software that is like of a software of a serv- as a service quality right so it's got good user experience creative uh, all the way down through security and you know something that's maintainable and will be long-lived so we've we're looking at um you know and folks have come to us uh because they're looking for help with .NET, right c sharp programmers uh people have come to us for user experience because they have an app that you know needs ux help um and when we go looking for people we're kind of trying to find those folks that are going through those growth periods uh and their employees are they're having trouble with onboarding maybe to this, to the new systems. Um, And they're, they're having trouble with just kind of this productivity vibe or the, you know, the accuracy and mistakes, right? So they're, they're trying to clean things up and lay a strong foundation uh, so that they don't have to provide a lot of care and feeding to this operations portion, this tooling portion, um, they can just focus on hiring great people and bringing them into the fold and letting them get at it. And um, so we kind of plug into CIOs, IT directors, um, sometimes business teams that are just you know project management uh, focused, um, but usually they're consulting uh, in some sort. You know, I'd even consider. The electrical installations—they're very skill-based, right? right? Um, But they're also providing a consulting service. They have the strategy and the process behind it to get those results. So that may be the longest uh, description (laughs) of a customer. It's a very short question, but you got you got the long answer.
0: (laughs) No, long answers are good if they're the right one. Um, And I know that uh, you and I talked. I have a potential client that needs. Uh, needs uh, their app looked at. So I'm going to try to get them to talk to you. And of course, if anybody out there is thinking like I'm thinking that, you know, you've got customers, there are a lot of stories that I hear where we have customers that have legacy apps that can't be upgraded or, you know, their customers spend 50 grand on them and, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not compatible with windows 10, windows 11 or anything. (laughs) So there may be some, some things that, you know, now maybe you can't, you know, come in and do them, but giving them an audit probably sounds yeah. like something that uh, we could start referring f- referring business to you.
1: Absolutely, um, I think one of our um, one of our strong points would be, uh, you know, we have a lot of experience in this space and have seen a lot of <laughs> seen a lot of people and a lot of software in sit in certain situations, right? So. Our ability to drop into your environment and do that audit pretty quickly and get some and have some meaningful advice about what you have and what you might be able to do with it um, is is high, and we're um, to date still you know we're very um, kind of relationship focused and referral focused, and we do a lot of repeat business. So one of our um, criteria uh, is, we're going to give our honest answers, uh, period, in, in all of our engagements. And we're not going to take shortcuts that, um, at the very least, or if we do need to take shortcuts, the, um, the repercussions of the implications of that will be made extremely clear to our client. Uh, and sometimes uh, that can be a lot of information to take in, but it has served us very well uh, in the long run because our clients know that we always will give them, we're straight shooters and we'll, uh, we'll we always have their best interest in mind. So All right. yeah, I, I'd, I'd be happy to take, you know, if you need a second opinion on something, I'd be happy to help. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, of course uh, listeners uh, I will have a link to his website in the show episode page enlivenhq.com and for those of you driving and not uh, able to get to the website just yet go back find the page enliven is spelled e-n-l-i-v-e-n-h-q.com and ian actually is going to allow us to use his email address if you have questions uh, i robinson at enlivenhq.com so Ian, I appreciate that, but I do want to ask you one more question. It's not, yeah. it's not part of the script, so I hope you're ready for <laughs> it. Uh, one of the things that I've been doing is asking business owners, you know, what's it like to balance, you know, work and life. Um, you and I spoke before and you've, you've got a family that you, mm-hmm. you've got to take to you. are younger than I, than I am. You've got some kids at home. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like you've got a pretty busy busy, personal life uh what's it like to to balance that
1: um yeah i'd say it it really i mean i do have three kids at home three boys they're uh currently three six and nine <laughs> and so yeah, um, but uh and for me what it's meant um you know my my uh kind of personal life as an individual, uh, going out with friends and such, you know, that shrunk pretty considerably. Um, so it's, I think it's been a challenge to, you know, that's also necessary, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have, it is uh, That space. So there's, there's kind of me as an individual, there's me as a leader, uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the company and a business owner. And then there's, you know, so there is a lot to juggle. And I think what that's done for the business has put a lot of pressure on, um, getting rid of all of the unnecessary stuff. And we and I don't. We don't have time to take on projects that um, aren't going to go well or that aren't a good fit. So we talk about that very openly up front. Um, you know, we're if it's a good fit, it's a good fit. Let's rock let's rock and roll. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll be a software partner for years. But if it's more speculative or our clients don't really know or the prospective client doesn't really know what they want, you know, we. We, are, we I don't have the bandwidth for that, right? right? Um, we need to be able to know that we're making a difference there. Um, but yeah, it's been, you know, on the other side of things, it has been um, as a business owner, it's it's whose priority is my family. Um, it sometimes has, um, has, it's been hard to make enough space to do the proactive business stuff, to get out there, do all of the, you know, business development and the content marketing, uh, because I've been a, in a reactive mode, you know, if somebody needs help, I'm your man, just let me know. I'll take care of it. Uh, because that's, that's the mode I'm in at home too. With kids, right? <laughs> um, but, and, but it, it does make it harder to kind of fully shift into a, and, and this is, I think the journey that I'm still on to fully shift into a, um, Create my own space, kind of push away all of the reactive tendencies to jump around and put out fires or to to tend to just kind of random stuff and go back to the beginning and say, well, what is it? What's needed right now? You know, what buckets do I need to put time in? um, You know, for me, right? For the business, for the future health of our company, and really create that leadership space. And come from there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, I'd say that's uh, certainly, certainly been juggling a lot.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a very good answer. And that's, uh, I mean, some of it, what I expect. Uh, And the reason I ask is because, you know, I'm a business owner and I'm juggling, you know, my business, all the ancillary projects like this podcast, um, you know, dealing with the family and family, you know, wanting you to you know, do everything with them. Um, But then focusing on what's important to grow the business. Now, you know, you're coming up on that, you know, you just, you know, celebrating 10 years, which Mm -hmm. I remember when I got to 10 years, I was so happy that I made it to 10 years uh, because I wasn't sure sometimes I would make it. And uh, this is year 25 for me now. So it is interesting to hear people's perspectives on, you know, how you grow the business. How do you keep it moving? How do you balance everything? Um, and I can tell you're one of those, you're hands-on. It's not like you're just mm-hmm. delegating stuff.
1: Yeah. And that's been a struggle too. I probably should delegate more stuff, but um, you know, what, what I've focused on is saying like, Hey, I know um, we're like this, is, this last 10 years. Cause you know, if you notice um, my, oldest son it will be turning 10 this year as well. So basically started having kids and uh, started the business in the same year. Um, but this last 10 years hasn't been, um, it hasn't felt appropriate for me to go after kind of the, the more common or superficial goals of growth. Like I need a big head count. I need this giant revenue. Like, no, we're going to do what we do. We want to um, provide value to our clients, learn on the job, you know, and, and apply our expertise and make a difference. And we need to make money doing that, so we're all happy and healthy, right? We don't have don't have financial worries. Um, but it it hasn't been, you know. I've there's all. I think a lot of business owners can feel that pressure to just keep going, keep going. You got to do more, right? And and I think um, you know there there are times for that. Um, and for me, it's been, it's, it's just been a clear choice, right? Um, I'd rather I'll have a lot more working years, uh, without small children at home ahead of me. And, you know, maybe we can push harder on some of those scaling things uh, at that point, but right now it's just, uh, keeping a strong foundation and being, being agile.
0: I I like that. So many times in our industry, you know, the big push is, you know, how fast can you grow? How fast can you scale? You know, when are you going to hit your first million? Okay. You did that now. Okay. When's 10 million coming? Okay. When are you going to, I mean, it's, it's a big push. So I, it's a huge push.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, uh, my business, I tried to do that. I had employees early on. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite work for me, either that or I'm a bad manager. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I slowed down and said, you know, took on that philosophy of of when, you know, what's important now. And yeah, oh, take, I love it. Take care of my customers. Make sure I have enough, you know, income to pay the bills. Um, you know, live a decent life. I'm not, you know, not yeah. rich, you know, but I'm not poor. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great. Uh, that's a great way to look at it because we, we don't need to sacrifice our personal lives for all the status stuff, <laughs> right? Yep. Like we don't, and other people's goals are great. They don't have to be ours. right?
0: <laughs> all right. Well, Ian, thank you very much. I know that, that that last segment there was not anticipated, and I thank you for for answering uh, oh, absolutely. and being a little open there. I think that it's great for listeners to be able to, to get the insight. Most of my listeners are, like I said, either – Uh, small business owners, or they, you know, they may own mid-sized businesses and we don't get that perspective a lot. So thank you very much. And I hope that we can uh, maybe find you, you know, a couple of new jobs out there. Yeah,
1: that'd be fantastic. I appreciate it. It It's great talking to you.
0: Ian Robinson from HQ on the IT Business Podcast. Uh, I thank him and I thank you for listening. And we'll be back with another podcast real soon. But until then, Allah.